Hello, welcome to the Rogue Tours podcast. I am Chad Durham. I am Jacob Hampton. And we are coming to you with, with what will probably be our last podcast episode for a while. As you know, we do not make money on Rogue Tours. We do it a lot because we love it. We really appreciate those of you out there who have been loyal listeners because either you appreciate what we have to say or you are our friends or you are related to us. Uh, it means a lot to us. We're going to still be hopefully doing some videos, some Facebook Live stuff, and updating our site, rogotours.com. Obviously, you can still tweet at us, at rogotours, at jacobhampton26, and at cdurham99. Um, for now, if you go on iTunes or you go to SoundCloud, we only have, we'll only have the last two podcasts up, which means you can listen to this one, which is about Edgar Wright and Baby Driver, um, and you can listen to our review of Wonder Woman. The rest of them are on the down low for now, although if you messaged us, we could definitely email them to you or, or find a way to get them to you. Um, <laughs> and but look, this, like, if you are some listener that we've never met and you listen every week and you, or well every so every often that we do this podcast <laughs> every couple every weeks. time this comes yeah. out you like listen to our podcast and you've never tweeted at us now is the time to do that yes because we'd love to know if there are enough people listening that we should arrange more to make this podcast happen but otherwise we're probably going to be shifting into youtube and facebook videos yeah for yeah a while. yeah at least for a little while yeah i'm glad i'm glad that jake said that um, cause we see sometimes some listeners or people who download like, I don't know who that person is, especially if you've listened more than once yeah. and you are not, you do not have the last name Durham or Hampton <laughs> or, uh, are like our really close friends. Um, but as I alluded to, uh, this week we're going to review the movie Baby Driver, which came out about a week ago, a little more than that, um, by director Edgar Wright. And we're also going to rank the five movies of Edgar Wright. He actually has six. The first movie is a little hard to find, and uh, being the non-funded podcast that we are, we, we were not unable to w- watch his first movie, which is called A Fistful of Fingers. But um, we are going to rank all five of his movies and get into Baby Driver. But before that... Um, we are going to talk about a couple movies that we've seen. I'm, I'm going to let uh, Jake start, if that's okay. He always, as always, has seen uh, multiple more movies than me. So I'll turn it over to him for a little while to discuss what he's seen and if it's worth seeing. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few. I Right after our uh, last podcast, I saw It Comes at Night. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we may have described before. It is a... Uh, it's a film by Trey Edward Schultz, I think, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, who directed Krisha before this. Uh, it is a film with horror and thriller elements. I think some people would be really mad about calling it a horror movie. I'll call it one because I love calling everything a horror movie. <laughs> but uh, but if you... I Don't go see this movie with the intent to simply be scared because that's not... What it's it, not its, it's only motivation for existing. No. It's, I wouldn't even say it's one of its major motives for existing. Uh, it is... So, I mean, the basic premise, and I'll be vague because it's a movie that's important to go in without story expectations, I think, but the basic premise is that it's it takes place in this kind of unspecified, uh, near-dystopian-esque future, uh, where you have a family who is kind of like hiding out in a cabin in the woods and they seem kind of paranoid and the movie becomes uh about questions they have about whether they should trust 
to let other people into their home. And that's really big. Let the right one in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little uh, horror illusion for those of you out there. Okay, sorry. Deep reference. <laughs> um, so that's what the movie's about. It's, it's definitely uh, kind of off-kilter. It's not a very traditional movie. It doesn't tie things up nicely. I, that might be a spoiler, but I want to say that beforehand. It's, it's a very different kind of movie, and I think it's important to know that going in. It inspired a lot of discussion uh, between me and the people that I saw it with for long after the movie was over, and that's one of my favorite qualities in a movie. It's very ambiguous. It's very... It, it feels uh, very confident in, in its decisions, um, but it's kind of mystifying at the same time. Uh, this is a really hard movie to talk about without spoiling it. Sure, but sure. I would say... If you like what A24 puts out, which is maybe kind of weird, because I know like how a studio operates isn't necessarily that a studio conceives a, a movie, sure. you know, but the kind of stuff that they tend to distribute, if you've liked the stuff they put out before, especially their kind of more mystery and horror type stuff, like The Witch, uh, like Green Room, um, things, other ones I'm probably forgetting. Well, uh, and I'm going to interject here. If you don't know what A24 is or who that studio is... Uh, go Google it. Like, if you're listening to the podcast, you have some interest in movies, I assume. Pause it for a minute and go Google A24 and go to their Wikipedia page because they are, in my opinion, one of the most high-quality studios of all. Yeah, ever, um, I want to say. Yeah, maybe even ever as far as, like, the percentage of movies that they put out that are, like, well-reviewed, that are well-acted, and that it, it, where it seems like, yes, they're trying to make money, but they also want to put out a quality product. Yeah. Um, and they're a smaller studio. They are. Generally speaking, especially in comparison to some of the ones that you would recognize on name. And I apologize for interjecting like I always do, but they, like, they baffle me with how good they are. Like, every time I see a trailer or people are buzzy about a movie, it seems like nowadays it's, like, always A24. Yeah, of course it's A24. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know, obviously that's a bit of a, 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 a hyperbole, but there is a lot of great stuff that, I mean, I th I'm pretty sure, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... A couple of years ago, Ex Machina and the Most Vi a Most Violent Year were both yeah. A24, mm -hmm. and there are tons more than that. Yeah, Old Moonlight was A24. There you so. go. There you go. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, all right, go on. I'm sorry. Anyway, so yeah, it, for sure, if you're into that kind of thing at all, it, it, and into the vague thing I just described, <laughs> go see go see that movie. Nice. And you liked it. I I liked it a lot. Kay. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I know you said that inspires discussion. I just wanted to be very clear, like you were a fan. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Sorry. I guess no. No. I no. You good? No. You did. You did. Uh, so the other movie I saw recently that was a big thinker was Captain Underpants. <laughs> the first a epic big movie. <laughs> um, no, and that feels rude because I actually really, really enjoyed Captain Underpants. Good reviews as far as Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, it, and and I joked because the movie does have a lot of potty humor, but it's actually a really, really funny movie. Um, I would say for both kids and adults, uh, even though there is potty humor, it's very, I don't know, it's, I want to call it like the most sophisticated, <laughs> sophisticated potty humor potty I've ever seen. <laughs> the, it's it's just so self aware. Uh, the movie as a whole is it does a lot of cool, um, a few different like artistic kind of sequences where they change the style of the animation for like a story or uh, something different to happen uh, that they do a lot of clever stuff with. Um, if you don't know, I mean, people don't care about the plots that much of children's movies, I guess. But like the basic premise is that uh, these two kids who hate their principal 
uh, draw a comic book character based on him, and through a series of magical events, the principal takes on the actual persona of that uh, comic book character. You haven't seen this, have you? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's a re- it's really funny and creative. I like. I part of me wants to explain the funniest jokes, but that doesn't work. You have to see them for your, right, right for yourself. Um, but for sure, if you, if you ever enjoy animated comedies um, that are kind of like family friendly, I guess it's I think it's one of the best ones this year uh, so far. I I laughed really hard, and it's and I had nostalgia for the books, but like that didn't even matter because uh, I read them as a kid. But so there were some fun memories and stuff of being like, oh yeah, like that name or person, but. But I think for someone who's never even heard of it, it's uh, it's a fun ride. Nice. Um, That's cool to hear, too, from somebody, like, for me that I trust, and maybe for some of you that you trust if you've been listening to Jake and I for a while, or me and Jake. Um, because I just wasn't sure. I had seen some good reviews of Captain Underpants, yeah. but I still didn't want to make the leap, if that makes sense. Like, sure. I get what you're saying, and yet I'm not sure. There was like a disconnect between what I was seeing and what I was hearing people say. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it looked great based on the trailers. Yeah, and but I heard the good reviews. Yeah, yeah. And I still kind of wanted to see it for nostalgia's sake. Sure, sure. But it, it definitely surprised me with. Cause I don't know. I feel like you get, especially now, like there's such a nostalgia craze, you know, to like turn anything that people might remember from when they were younger into some sort of big budget or medium budget movie you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is definitely a medium budget one uh but i just really appreciated that it didn't it knew it acknowledged that basically like it yeah it through that acknowledgement they were able to do a lot more clever stuff than they would have if they just tried to make it a normal cash in movie which it's right. not nice Cool. Yeah. Uh and then one more that I I saw last week was The Beguiled. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm so excited to hear about this. This is one that I'm hoping to track down very soon. Um have not gotten to yet. I've always been very interested in Sofia Coppola even though I've only seen maybe one of her movies. I think this was my first. I've this. seen Lost in Translation, um which for me was a little underwhelming when it had gotten such great reviews back in the day. I mean, Bill Murray's good, Scarlett Johansson's good. Um but this one has been has good reviews, but has been a little divisive, even in the good reviews. There are people who say it's great, and there are people who say it's kind of campy, and then there are people who say, uh, I mean, it's fine, or whatever. There's a lot of, like, unsurety with Sofia Coppola. Like, Mm -hmm. is she a great director, or is she not? Like, that seems to be a question in the ether. And so, with that rambling intro, I'm really interested interested in hearing what, what you say. I'm honestly unsure about how I feel right. about it. I li- I know that I, I hear that a it. lot. Like yeah. I mean, I've read that a lot. Yeah, here's the thing. So I I liked this movie. I felt like I was witnessing something great. Interesting. But I kind of felt like either it was either it went over my head in some aspects or it was just pretending to be Great. Sophisticated and great, and actually wasn't. Interesting. And so, I don't know. I. That's how I felt about Mad Men a lot of the time. Really, a TV show that I really liked, but that I felt like a lot of times like I'd be like, "Oh, do you do you know right. why this is exactly really cool?" And I don't know, or are you just doing things, and you don't really know? Yeah. Sorry, it's a weird comparison. No, but. and I, and I knew the Beguiled had positive reviews, and that I 
kind of tried to figure that out afterwards because right. I was like, so is the cool thing is it is it cool that we don't know and that the director <laughs> maybe doesn't know or or is there something bigger that I'm not grasping? Interesting. And reading other people's opinions, there were some things that I was like, I guess I didn't catch that uh, right there in the movie, but sure. Um, yeah, it's. It inspires discussion, like it comes sure. at night in a different way. It comes at night as more ambiguous plot where this, it's clear what happens, but it, for me it was more a question of what are we supposed to be taking away from this? Right. And it, so it's a very slow moving movie about a, a group of uh, women in the South during uh, the Civil War who decide to take in a uh, soldier from the North, basically, uh-huh. who's wounded. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Um, the cast is. It's such a fun cast. It's Nicole Colin Farrell Kidman. plays the soldier, and then the women are Nicole Kidman, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and Elle Fanning, Fanning, and then a couple of younger actresses that I didn't recognize. Uh, so the cast is fun to watch, but yeah. it's it's a super uh, slow-paced movie. <laughs> I think it's it's definitely one for the patient who want to wait to see what a movie wants to really slowly unfold to them. I think most people would find it boring, and I don't mean that as an insult to anyone who would find it boring like I wouldn't blame you at all (laughs) it's really slow and not that much happens for a lot of the movie it's it's about subtle character work and and I think that's the best thing about it I guess is uh, Colin Farrell and uh, these actresses do a lot of subtle stuff and and I think there's a lot that I could pick up on if I watched it again uh, about certain little motivations that change throughout the story for this reason and that happened in the background of this scene whatever uh but it, it it was a challenge. It was good to look at. I guess I like that about Sofia uh, Coppola. But yeah, kind of mystifying. I'd recommend waiting until you can just stream it at home. Okay, probably. that's what I was gonna ask. Could you come up with a grade off the top of your head? I know you didn't necessarily already probably, grade it, but probably a B. Okay, I was feeling from your words B B minus, but okay. I didn't I didn't want to uh, impose that upon no. your your uh, nice. I'm interested. Like, I want to see it. And maybe, maybe soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I have one, and I, I might say, well, no, I'll try not to be too long-winded here. But as this might be our last podcast episode for a while, um, the the probable in the future ranking of all the Spider-Man movies may not um, materialize in the same way that I envisioned it. So I want to say something. Just this weekend came out um, Spider-Man Homecoming. And I have some pretty... I don't know if strong feelings is the right word, but I was a I was actually a pretty big fan of the first three, uh, meaning Tobey Maguire, way back. Um, I think we own them all here in the Durham household. Even number three, I have a lot of fondness for. I understand all the criticism, and I don't even necessarily defend it, defend Spider-Man 3. Um, I know there was a lot of things that went on behind the scenes, and Sam Raimi didn't want Venom, and they did want Venom, and he knew it was going to be his last movie, so he wanted to get some other things in. Um, there's some campiness in number three that I think is actually pretty fun. Um, Spider-Man 2 is still considered by a lot of people one of the best comic book movies. And when you look at lists that people compile of, of such things. And for most people, the best of all the Spider-Man movies. Um, and so there were those three. And they did what they did well. And maybe some other things not so well. And Tobey Maguire, depending on your opinion, was either very good or very bad. Um, and then five years later, they rebooted it. And I have such ambivalent feelings toward those three. I love Andrew Garfield. I love Emma Stone. And if they had made it first, 
if they had been the first Spider-Men of the new era or whatever, I think I would have really enjoyed those movies. But there was such a weird deja vu about those movies that permeated them. In fact, just today, uh, we watched The Amazing Spider-Man 1 again because my daughters wanted to watch it because they went with me to see Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's, for me, it's such a weird movie to watch because they do the whole origin story again. That's what and I wanted to clarify. it feels so weird. Because <laughs> I never saw those, the amazing ones. Oh, gosh. I, I liked Toby too, from what I remember. It's been a really long time. But those are origin, I know, obviously. Sure. So the Andrew yeah, Garfield... Yeah, they started all over. Andrew Garfield is origin. As if the other three never existed. But Homecoming is not origin. No. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily pretend that those other ones ever existed. Okay. There's That's no building fine. off of Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. They're not supposed to be the same character. It's a completely new character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, those middle two, I guess middle, that's kind of a misnomer, but you know what I mean, I hope. <laughs> of the middle series or whatever, they're, I don't know what to do with them. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone do a fine job. There's not anything inherently wrong with them. There are some fun scenes. But I can't watch them and not think, why do these even exist? It, it, it's like every scene I'm watching. Andrew Garfield might be killing it. Even, uh, I forget how to say his name, Reese Efans or whatever. Um, he was in like Notting Hill many years ago. He plays the bad guy. I think he's pretty good. Um, I was trying to think of who, Dane DeHaan is in one of them. I think he's in the second one. Maybe not the first one. He's pretty good. No one's bad. Nothing's inherently bad about them. But there's just a pervasive sense of like, why the heck did you make these? Who was chomping at the bit for more Spider-Man movies that just retread what we already saw? Yeah. Like you, oh, man. It's a. It was a thing for me. I, I really struggled with it. So, when Spider-Man showed up in Civil War, I really didn't have a big issue. It was obviously a new character. It was a small dose. There was no origin. He had some fun. I thought Tom Holland was funny. The script was funny. Yeah. Um, he added some kind of spice. They did some fun things with Aunt May and Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. When I heard they were making the movie, I was flabbergasted. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Already, it feels like, you know, we've run Spider-Man into the ground. The last two Amazing Spider-Man weren't necessarily all that well-reviewed, but not poorly reviewed. They made money, but not a ton of money. Um, killed off some characters I'll be careful there um, but the fact that they're making a new one was just mind blowing to me Yeah. like oh my gosh Another are you one. kidding me yeah. yeah for me I didn't see Amazing 1 or 2 in the theaters Okay. I did see them but not in the theaters um, so I had plans to maybe not see them my kids were kind of excited because they didn't live through all of the other ones, <laughs> nor had they even – I'm not even sure they've seen them all. And they thought Tom Holland in Civil War was fun and cute and silly and funny. And I know there was a – apparently he's more wisecracking in the comics. You can see a couple really great articles that I tweeted at least one of them out from Rogo Tours. I tweeted some of them out from at Durham 99 There's a great article in Entertainment Weekly about the illusion of change in Spider-Man Homecoming and a really thorough, detailed, well-written article on TheRinger.com about kind of the evolution of Spider-Man through the comics and why he's always been popular. And, and then they, they kind of bleed that over into the movies, the discussion of the movies at the end. Which is, so check those out as well, some great, some great media on Spider-Man. Um, anyway, I wasn't going to see it. Started getting good reviews. I was really skeptical of those good reviews. I have a good friend. I'll give him a shout out here named Creston Erickson, who was like, I'm going to go see it. Let me give you a review before you go see it. He hit me up uh, with a message before he said, look, 
It feels pretty fresh. It doesn't feel like a retread, but above all, it's very funny. That's it's what like, I, keep I think you'll laugh. Even if you're like, why are we making Spider-Man again? I think you'll laugh. And so um, my son saw it before the rest of the family, and that made my daughters jealous. So we went and saw it. Um, and so I was glad so I could talk, I could talk about it a little bit on the podcast. And first and foremost, it's very funny. Jake mentioned in some ways Captain Underpants being self-aware. I think what helped me a lot is there was a self-awareness here, not not into parody, not into camp, but an understanding that there is superhero and Spider-Man fatigue in some camps, right. including my camp, that that people have seen a lot of superhero movies and they, they follow a, fair, a fairly similar pattern, and we need to start breaking out of that pattern. We touched on a lot of this in our Marvel, our Marvel podcast, which you can't go listen to now, but hopefully you did before, and uh, – um, and a sense that we didn't want the origin story again. That was really important. They mentioned he got bit by a spider one time. Oh, great. But it happened well before the movie. He's younger. I don't know if he's younger than Tobey Maguire was supposedly supposed to be in the first <laughs> one. And Andrew Garfield looks so old in, uh-huh. in, in Is, the second two. He doesn't two, play but... a high school student, does he? Yeah, he does. No. Yeah. Andrew Garfield? Yeah. The Ringer? No. That's so It's funny. either The Ringer or Entertainment Weekly that made a very funny comment about it. I think it was Entertainment Weekly. They he... said he looks more like the CEO of a company. Well, because he got famous pretty much from the social network, right? Yeah. In which he plays a college. Yep. And it was, and it was, senior, it was before. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Tom Holland looks young. He's playing 15 in the movie, and rarely did I think he's way older than that. He, okay. he looks young. They surround him with people that look young enough. Right. Okay? A lot of people, too, non-white actors, um, which I liked. Just a side comment. Tony Revolori from Dope and uh, Grand Budapest Hotel plays Flash, kind of the bully. Um, and then you have Zendaya, or Zendaya, Zendaya, I think, from Disney who plays... Uh, kind of a funny, snarky, cynical character on the side. Um, his his buddy in it is um, not white. His love interest is not white. I thought that was cool. I mean, he's yeah. white, obviously. Yeah. Um, they don't really talk about Uncle Ben. He doesn't get killed within the movie. Aunt May is there. She's a presence. She's important. Marissa Tomei does a great job. But she's not huge into the story. It's about the angst of high school. But not angsty like if you've seen The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 where the angst kind of like takes it over. It's light. It's fun. It's charming. It has some really interesting well-written stuff. It has some cool Freaks and Geeks connections if you've, if you've seen Freaks and Geeks. One of the credited screenwriters is John Francis Daly who was in Freaks and Geeks. And in a very funny turn, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks plays uh, like the, the academic decathlon teacher. Oh, awesome. And he's funny. He has my very favorite line of the movie that I want to ruin, but I never would. And, and I'll be honest, I think I was the only one in the theater laughing. I thought it was so funny. Because it's, it was a little above the heads of kids. Not inappropriate, but just a little above the heads of the kids. And kind of like a wink to fourth wall breaking. Very, very funny. Um, and I'll admit it won me over. It's still a superhero movie. There's still some things that play into that. There's a, uh, just the fact that Michael Keaton is playing a character called the Vulture after he was Birdman um, is funny. <laughs> yeah. That's like, and there's a, a couple kind of sly references to that. Um, a, a, a few surprises you wouldn't have expected. Um, John Favreau as Happy, Happy Hogan, I think is the last name. Um, uh, Iron Man's bodyguard, Tony Stark's bodyguard. And then Robert Downey Jr. They're both not in it a ton, but enough to like kind of 
liven the proceedings up every time. I wonder that if Robert Downey just stops by for like two scenes or if he's kind of Two scenes is low, but like five scenes. And a lot of them are really quick. Like he'll kind of call to check in or show up for a minute. Okay. You know, but it works, I think. Like he's throughout. Right. And then when he's not there, Happy's there, John Favreau, who directed Iron Man, by the way, as well as Elf and the New Jungle Book. Um, so they're fun. Um, and the, it zigs sometimes when you think it's going to zag, which okay. is fun. It, oh, uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow shows up. There's another fun cameo from the Avengers that I won't ruin here because it's too fun. Oh, I already know. Um, I'm that. sorry, but I it's think fun. It's on the poster, actually. Oh, a if poster. it's on the poster, then I take it back. I'm not going to say it anyway. Okay. But I didn't know, and and it's it's fun and it pays off in the after credit sequence as well. If you want to stay all the way to the end. Okay. Um, the, uh, yeah, I I it won me over with its sheer joy. Um. I don't know how it will play into the future ones. I know they already have a second one slated for 2019. Right. And it's not necessarily like I'm like, yay! Yeah. But at the same time, like, it is, it's good. Okay. And it's paced really well. And there are a couple nifty sequences. Um, John Watts directed it. He directed a movie with Kevin Bacon called Cop Car. That was like an, an indie movie. Um, and he acquits himself quite nicely. Um, there's also another great line that made my theater laugh so, 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 so much delivered by um, uh, Spider-Man's best friend um, named Ned that pays off a lot of stuff. Uh, and there, it was big, big, big laughs, big laughs earlier. Yeah, I mean, in my theater from everyone. It wasn't just me that time. It was <laughs> everyone. And my son said it was his favorite line. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, if you have incredible superhero, like a friend of mine texted me and said, should I go see it? And I said, that's a really complex question to me mm-hmm. because there's so many superhero movies yeah. and they all, they're all doing a variation on a similar theme. But I think the, the trick that they pulled off here is taking a lot of that fatigue and just hiding it for a little while. Okay. You feel like you can just go along for the ride. And and there's enough that's different, and it and it and it's uh, I think Entertainment Weekly I think again called it the first it could have been The Ringer I read them both today um, called it the first YA superhero movie okay and that they didn't mean it as a negative right. comment that it 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 feels looser it feels fresher it feels um, sillier in some parts and but Tom Holland does a really good job and I think that's a big thing too is he just embraces the role and, and gives it a little bit of a different spin than what we saw before. Okay. I'm going to ask for kind of a like coded spoiler here. Okay. Uh, can I go into this movie expecting it to be free from the kind of third act trouble we talked about with Wonder Woman? The stuff I didn't like about Wonder Woman. Sure. Okay, this is what I would say. It's a great question. Oh, you know I didn't like the third act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of my biggest hang-ups with Wonder Woman, even though I liked it a little bit better than you. Mm-hmm. That if, like, to me, I would have been soaring on it if that third act had like been less obvious. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's a hard question to, to answer, coded or not. Yeah, okay. Um, I felt it was better, but it's not necessarily a lot different than what we normally see in the third act. Okay. What I would say for me is there were a little bit different stakes than are normally there. Good. 
And I think there was a moment in that final fight that usually happens. There is a final fight that even though you knew it was coming or even though you could see what was about to happen, that gave it a slightly different spin as well. So the stakes to me were a little bit more relevant and the spin they put on the way like that the fight concludes um, uh, rang uh, truer to me than we see sometimes. Okay. Does that code work enough? Yeah. And I'll be interested good. to see what you think. That keeps me excited. I'll be interested to see what you think because I, 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 I can't say like, oh no, that third act is like nothing you've ever right, seen. Right, sure. That is not true at all. Okay. One of my favorite third acts in these movies, since we're discussing them, has was Civil War. Absolutely. Because yeah. it was just different than what we normally saw, right? Um, and the stakes were different, and it gave a little bit of different spin. Uh, this is not quite that different. Okay. It's not quite that different where you can kind of say like, yes, thank you for giving me something different. But I felt like I didn't think about those same problems because I was caring a little bit more. Okay. Uh, one thing I think that they do here better than we've seen in some others, it's the same thing Civil War does well, is there was more empathy and sympathy from me for the villain. Okay. And, and which uh, one of the articles I read today pointed out as a flaw in a lot of them. And actually, I think it was Entertainment Weekly. They actually thought it was a flaw in this. And I disagreed on that point because I had a lot of sympathy and empathy for, for the villain. Um, and I think that helps that last scene play differently than it would in other instances. Sure. Okay. At least for me. I'm excited. The promotional... I was not when I saw it. Okay. I was just going to see. So you were pleasantly surprised. I had been won over to the point of, I will see this. Yeah. But not necessarily like, here we go. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm intrigued because the promotional images and stuff look like uh, they're going for almost like a Deadpool-y kind of vibe. I mean, not in terms of content obviously but, but like, in terms of banter and the villains kind of I mean the heroes kind of glibness sometimes most yeah, definitely yeah there's one scene it's a chase scene that is very Deadpool-esque in tone okay besides raunchiness and, and right. stuff like that yeah. it's like a chase as uh, Spider-Man ch- trying to k- keep pace with someone in a car and uh, they pack a lot of gags into like three minutes great yeah, okay. so there's some fun stuff like that that you don't see as much in maybe in a Guardians type type tone, but not yeah. as much in the other ones. Okay, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tweet at us about Spider Man. Tweet at us about It Comes at Night, Captain Underpants, and The Beguiled. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, that was we're already half an hour in, but you know, if you read the description before, you could have jumped to this point. Welcome if you just jumped to this point because yeah, well, you want to hear about Baby Driver. Okay, we are going to go into a little more detail. We might touch on Edgar Wright, some Edgar Wright stuff while we talk about Baby Driver for sure. Later on, we're going to touch on Edgar Wright, but I want to jump right into Baby Driver, the movie. Um, First and foremost, Rotten Tomatoes, Baby Driver right now, or an hour ago when I looked, 97%. On Metacritic, 86% on Metacritic. That's so So, high for Metacritic. Yeah, I have double exclamation points after both of those (laughs) on my little notes. Okay, Baby Driver is very critically acclaimed we just watched for some other reasons richard roper's online review which you can see on youtube he gave it an a plus which is if you know how grades work the highest grade that you can receive is an a actually (laughs) well depends on where you go i guess um so 
Baby Driver has hit. And I, I mean, I, I follow Edgar Wright on Twitter and like people are tweeting about it constantly. Oh, I'm going to see Baby Driver for the fifth time. I can't wait to see Baby Driver again in the theaters. Um, so it is, uh, I wouldn't say a phenomenon because it's not going to make like the amount of money that you say, like even like a Spider-Man makes, sure, right? Yeah. Uh, it's rated R for one reason and that, uh, that you know, limits the audience in some cases. Um, but it's original. <laughs> but it's, it's very original. And, and one interesting thing that I will touch on about Edgar Wright is that he mentioned how he may not have gotten to make this movie if he hadn't severed his involvement in or his involvement hadn't been severed in Ant-Man. That's right. Because Edgar Wright worked on Ant-Man for years. Uh, I've seen in multiple articles eight years that oh he gosh. developed it. He had his own spec script, I, if I understand correctly, and then Marvel invited him in. And then eventually, similar to Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Wait, did I flip those? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, do you know the guys? Guy? No, the Han Solo guys. The oh, Lego movie guys. I don't remember their names. I oftentimes switch their names. I want to make sure I get these right. <laughs> Hold on, give me a sec. Um, by the way, about Edgar Wright uh, with Ant Man. Okay, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Go on. Okay, no, I just saw a funny headline that says he refuses to even watch Ant Man because. Oh, that's funny. He says it's like a bad breakup, and he doesn't want to see his. For ex. sure, makes sense. Although he's credited too. Is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's credited. I can't remember as a, oh, as yeah, a like producer, I think. Producer yeah, something. yeah. So Chris Miller and Phil Lord, whose names always mix up, they got fired from Han Solo. Uh, Ron Howard took over. This has been a big deal if you follow Hollywood things. And apparently it was a similar thing with, with Edgar Wright. He was a l- concerned about making this cool, quirky, best movie I can make. And if I understand correctly, I don't want to overstep or pretend that I know more than I do. He didn't want to necessarily follow all the things Marvel wanted him to do because it had to fit into this overarching universe and everything, so he ended up getting fired. Um, He said it was really sad, but it it freed him up to make Baby Driver, which was a movie he had in his mind for a lot of years, basically taking his love of music and kind of infusing it into this action movie about uh, an incredible getaway driver who is pretty young and who has tinnitus in his ears, so there's like... They call it in the movie and the trailers a hum in the drum. Kevin yeah. Spacey. Kevin Spacey's very good in it. Um, and so he listens to music and kind of choreographs his his getaways to the music. And yeah. we get to hear the music and he gets to hear the music, which is kind of fun. Um, which leads to a lot of fun scenes of him jamming out in the car. Other scenes that I don't want to mention too much that have to do with like him getting set with the music. There's a fantastic early sequence, and I, I think An- An- Ansel Elgort has a background as a dancer, if I understand correctly. Oh, I, I, I read I read that somewhere, so you know you can check me on it. This is our last podcast episode for a while, anyway. Um, if that's wrong, Ansel, and you're listening, let us know at C Durham ninety nine. But uh, there's an early scene too where he's listening and kind of dancing, and the stuff going on behind him and on the walls is kind of matching with what he's oh, doing and it was great right iconic already <laughs> it was great stuff um and so anyway so it's an original it's an original screenplay it has a lot of a lot of fun things going for it um and and we want to delve into what some of those things were and we don't want to be too spoiler heavy if we do go into any specific specific spoilers we will warn you i don't have any plans to do that but if, it's it's still fairly new it's only been out for a week yeah um, the one thing I wanted to say at the top of this, we'll, at the end of our little baby driver thing, we'll give some, some grades, but is there was a twinge or a tinge. Both are the same. They, they're, they're different in meaning. I know you don't have to tell me I'm an English teacher, but they, work, <laughs> they both work well here. 
of disappointment for me. And I know that that's sad to hear, but only because of the like, even stuff like Richard Roper, A+, I got to see it again. Um, because there were a few tiny problems for me that weren't big, but I was almost expecting perfection from what I had read and seen and from the effusiveness of a lot of the reviews. So the disappointment for me only came from that, only came from expectations. Um, but I want to say to start, and then I'll let Jake jump in and, and say what what he wants to say for a while is, what a freaking fun movie. Oh my gosh. Like so much fun, Baby Driver. And everyone seems to be having fun. Um, and And it's well shot. And the music is great, of course. And there are just multiple bravura sequences. The camera work is very good. There's also a, a foot chase late in the movie that I just thought was as good as any of the car chases, mm-hmm. um, which was a surprise to me. You rarely see a, 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 a foot chase as elegant and exciting and well choreographed as that. I, I couldn't think of one in my mind ever that really had kind of the same... Um, suspense and grace that you see in a lot of car chases. Yeah. So that's my kind of opening shot. Uh, do you want to jump in and, and, and you can pretty much say anything. Rebut me or, or lay, <laughs> lay some more background or context or sure. jump into your review. Well, I guess I'll say it met my expectations. So, yeah, we're probably a little different on how high we are on it. Sure, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say I think this is my favorite movie of the year so far. Nice. Uh, and we're in July. It will probably be dethroned, but sure. by the end of the year. Um, but I had a blast in this movie, and I I expected to, but it delivered for me on on every front. Uh, some people are calling it a two-hour music video, and some of those people mean that with praise, and some yeah. of them are, <laughs> and some are of them mean it derisively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would partially agree with that. Uh, I think it's a simple story, and I think that's been off-putting for some people, for some. uh, and I've, I've seen a lot of, I don't know, I've seen some backlash, um, just, yeah, calling it a gimmick movie, basically, and that people are being fooled and thinking that it's great because of that. Sure. I couldn't disagree more. Uh, I thought the characters were really fun and engaging. Uh, John Hamm was a blast to watch for yeah. every second he was on screen. And I'm a big John Hamm guy, and he's, he's great. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx was fun too. Uh, oh yeah, Jamie Foxx plays a bat s crazy guy. I mean, like that's basically he has a name in the movie, and it's basically a it, reference to that. Yeah, right. he's called Bats. Right. Um, I thought he was so good. He was so good because it's like it's a it's a it's a he. I, it's hard to explain. Sometimes people play a role over the top, and it becomes campy. But you can tell they know it's campy. He plays it over the top. But it plays realistic, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Where you know he knows he's being over the top, and yet he feels like a character who just lives that way. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, it didn't feel like he came from a different movie. No. And it didn't feel like he was winking at the audience. But he really amps up kind of the energy and, and the bombast. But all it, all it served to do was make you un, uh, um, comprehend kind of the craziness or the insanity that he had. Yeah. Lurking right underneath and sometimes not underneath, sometimes on the surface. Yeah, I was completely on board with his character. Yeah, um, like you said, you mentioned Kevin Spacey. He's he's excellent in it. Yeah, very dry. Yes, yeah. I just finished season five of House of Cards and was like really tired of that show. So it was so great to see Kevin Spacey in this doing a like, different thing. Oh yeah, he does different things all the time, and I love him as. An yeah, actor. I there was a uh, again. We'll be very careful here, but I thought uh, where his arc went was actually kind of interesting to me. There was an. Uh, uh, um, 
gosh darn it, a bit of a surprise to me in kind of um, some of the relationship things with him and some of the other characters. Um, some of the the um, climactic scenes that feature Kevin Spacey, I did not expect them to go the way that they did. Okay. I know that was coded. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's what we're doing this week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I... I was in love with this movie. I yeah, still am. I want to see it. I, and it's it's the kind of movie I, I'll, I'll be able to watch over and over again. Uh, as we'll get into with Edgar Wright. I'll, yeah. I'll, I feel that way about all of his movies. There's always something new to catch because yeah. things are so fast. And this movie was no exception. Nice. Um, that opening sequence, like you mentioned. Yeah. I feel like just The that, very opening sequence has been shouted out in almost every review I've read. Right. And I had read a lot of that and I was still not underwhelmed. Right. Right? That worked, right? I, I, that was kind of a double negative, but what I mean is it met all those expectations, that yeah. opening scene. And then the, the opening scene follows up with like kind of his dancing scene through the... And so at that point, you're just like, this movie can do no wrong. Exactly. Which I know you felt for the whole time, but man, that, that opening scene, it's, it's ingenious both in the way it's shot, in what it's introducing to you, and in the way the actual car chase plays out. Right. There's so much fun to be had in that. I mean, it really it really sets the tone for what's coming afterwards, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that tone is important. I was just talking with someone last night who wasn't as high on this movie as I was. Um, and what I explained was that, oh, I don't understand why people are treating this movie differently than something like Mad Max. Because Mad Max, I feel, was kind of but it was largely style i mean the story almost couldn't be simpler it's one long chase sequence basically yeah. right mm-hmm. the characters of mad max move me at times but it's not but their layers aren't necessarily a super complex part of the story uh-huh. right and i got all those same vibes from this one i mean obviously it wasn't it takes place in our in our reality world. you yeah. know and sure, so sure, sure. i guess there's that major difference but otherwise i just thought it was interesting that because I didn't really see much criticism of Mad Max, but I'm seeing a lot more backlash to this movie. Sure. But I think if you can go into this movie understanding that it its style is its biggest thing it's going to flaunt, but not at the expense of other things, that it's... I don't know. To me, it's a well-rounded, high-quality movie, and I don't feel like it's a gimmick at all. Nice. And I want to say a few things. Based on, number one, Edgar Wright has said he styled some things on Mad Max. He's, like, said that out loud. Oh, right. And he was in love with how many things they did in camera and practical. Um, so he tried to do that with Baby Driver, where a lot of times they're actually in the car with the stunt drivers. Yes. And uh, sometimes they're at the wheel you know, of some of these scenes and a lot of the stunts they actually pulled off as opposed to doing it, you know, with extra CG or whatever. Yeah. So that's one big thing. I saw a review that compared it to Mad Max. Okay, great. Which is interesting. Um, and I am somebody who thought Mad Max was better than Baby Driver, but not by some uh, huge, chasmic, I don't think that's a word, margin. Yeah. Um, I, I'll mention that for me, I did care more about the characters in Mad Max a little bit. Okay. Um, but that's not a huge criticism, but just a small thing. And then the biggest issue for me in Baby Driver was an and issue is strong because I liked it. The, the difference between you and me is small, even though I know you loved it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I, I think like where our grades will be at the end, like there's... I know where mine is. There's not enough above it for us to be that far apart. Um, but the, the, the conclusion 
didn't work as well for me. And some of it is that what I, what I said in, just in my notes here was that the climax was a little long. And, I'm, and, and we try to be very careful here. Baby Driver's still new. It's not like we're talking about a movie that's been out for years. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But Meaning the parking garage stuff? Mostly that, okay. yes. Mm. Mostly that. Although it starts earlier than that. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Leading up to some of the face-offs there between the two characters that we both know we're talking about. Yeah. And that scene was like, to the point that my wife turned to me and was like, this scene is long. Mm-hmm. And, and up until then, it felt like such a lean movie. Even, no, matter how long, no matter how long the time was, no matter how long it had actually taken, it's lean. Everything felt like it needed to be there. And that last scene feels long to me. And I don't mind. So there's, early on, there's a lot of elegance to, what, to what's going on with the car crashes. and I mean, Car chases, <laughs> not crashes. Well, yeah, crashes too, but that's another story. Yeah, true. But I meant car chases. And the movie, and I think purposefully, drops some of that elegance later. And I was okay with that. You don't have to keep being the same movie. I liked that it made some... There's a scene where um, one of the main characters walks into a place to meet someone else. And another unexpected person is there. Yeah. That, I thought that was so great. Like, And I know some people expected it and stuff. There's also a great scene earlier where... Man, I hate being coded, but... No, I can't even say it. Um, the, uh, a surprise about the fate of some characters that, that really took me off guard. Uh-huh. And I like that Edgar Wright, as a writer and a director, let it descend into messiness when there's so much elegance and, and cleverness early on, and then it becomes like a messier conclusion. I'm fine with that. I didn't think that that messiness had to extend to length. Yeah, and, and and for me there was like some stuff at the end that was just too long. Okay, that but it didn't feel like it was long for a reason. It felt like it was long. I don't know why, and and that's like, and then I wasn't as emotionally involved. But I'm I'm okay. That doesn't bother me as much. Right, and, and that's not me saying like it's just all style, but the style is more, and that's okay. You know, I still cared. Yeah. I still care. We didn't even mention, mention besides a passing mention, Ansel Elgort and Lily James, who are both good as well, I thought. I know some people had issues with their accents, but it didn't really bother me. I never, mm-hmm. I was never like, oh, you're losing your accent no, or whatever. I, I think it. Lily James is quite the charmer. Uh, she was in um, Downton Abbey, and I liked her. She was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Cinderella. Like, I like her, and she's attractive. Um, and Ansel Elgort, I wasn't sure where I was with him. Like, he's good in The Fault in Our Stars, but... I'm not sure that, but I thought he commanded the movie. Like he does a great job. And there's a lot of scenes where he has to be like cool, but not in a suave way that I thought he pulled off with a plum. Yeah. Oh, like the moments where he kind of like breaks his stoicism and jams out in the car and stuff. Uh Those uh are some of my favorite moments. Yeah. There's a fun, fun gag really early in the movie with sunglasses that I just thought was so subtly funny like drawing attention to itself, but not in a way where you feel like it's drawing attention to itself. Yeah. I just thought it worked so well. And there's a lot of stuff like that. Edgar Wright was very assured in his direction, which right. I thought was great. And that's why it doesn't go off the rails at all. It never goes off the rails, but no. it's just there are some moments in the last scene that felt not, not interminable to me, but like, okay, let's kind of move along. Mm-hmm. And before that, I didn't feel that one iota. Right. And so that it surprised me because everything else felt so well chosen it was the only thing that felt like 
oh, I'm not sure why you thought this had to happen, then this had to happen, then this had to happen. Like, couldn't we have kind of cut this in half and gotten the same impact? In fact, it lessened the impact for me the, from from the climactic scenes, yeah. Right. And I think that was the only real issue that I had, which kept it from being quote-unquote perfect, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it, only to make the Mad Max... Uh, mentioned that you brought up earlier because I think it's a, a very fair comparison. Yeah. I n- nothing ever lagged in me for Mad Max. Okay. Like nothing. Right. It felt like the most intense chase from start to finish. Um, and and uh, Edgar Wright I think was going for something a little bit different, which I liked. Yeah. I liked. I just thought it didn't it didn't click as well in that final scene as it could have, even though that descent into messiness I thought really worked. Okay. That's so fair. That's me. Yeah. No, yeah, and I don't really have like a nuanced rebuttal to the running time no, of the movie fine. other than it still flew by for me and yeah. I was invested when it still time. flew by for me right it still flew by for me and I still I mentioned this I think on Twitter I was so tense for the last 20 minutes even within the scenes I'm talking about mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure the fate of characters with yeah. an original movie that's one thing I really like exactly you know I'm watching Spider-Man and no spoiler here but I'm not expecting Spider-Man to die uh, no. Ever, I'm not saying if he does or he doesn't, but you can probably guess. Yeah. Um, in this, I felt like you could do anything. Right. Exactly. I was I was like really tense. It was kind of hot, and I was wearing pants which I didn't need to be wearing, <laughs> and I was sweaty at the end of the movie um, because of a lot of those final scenes, which I thought worked. I just yeah. felt like, you know, they didn't need all that that went on there. So yeah, like I don't. I mean, because we have ever so like nuanced difference of opinions, like. It's like, well, yeah, it didn't, but, but I would say go see it right now if you're on yeah. the fence about Baby Driver. Oh, absolutely. Like, go right now. Right now. Yeah, like, stop listening. And go see it. We're okay with it. Come back later and listen to our top five Edgar Wright, I mean, our, our ranking of the five Edgar Wright movies, but go see it. Like, there's so much in it that's amazing. Yeah. If you have any appreciation for the technical aspects of filmmaking, then this movie should be pure gold for you yeah let's talk about some of that so if you speaking as far as like if um uh hey should i see this besides the fact that we just said go see it if you like action go see it if you like any of the actors or actresses we mentioned go see it especially if you like car chase scenes go Go see see it it. Uh uh-huh if you like edgar wright's other movies scott pilgrim versus the world Shaun of the dead hot fuzz or the world's end go Go see see it. it right and then if you like music i don't know did i already say that I, it's a given. Yeah, if you like music or you <laughs> like the 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 movie music, go see it. Yeah, I guess we haven't come out and explicitly said this because I feel like it's the most popular thing people are saying about the movie. But it's the music is ingrained into what you're seeing, like mm-hmm. a music video, which is why people are making that comparison. Right. But you have things like gunshots or the setting down of coffee cups. <laughs> Tequila was yeah. one of my favorite uh, cues. If you go see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, things sync up like to the beat of the music right. that's playing, and the music becomes an immersive part of the movie world. Uh, kind of, uh, to get off uh, film student-y, blurring the lines between diegetic and non-ge- non-diegetic I learned those sounds. in a film class about music, too. <laughs> diegetic is we both hear it, right? I couldn't remember. Or is diegetic... Um, diegetic is the characters. Hear it. It's and, part of their universe. And, and our universe, because obviously we yeah. hear it. Mm-hmm. And non-diegetic is it's just, just for us. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
I tell my film class about it all the time, but then I go, I can't remember which one is <laughs> yeah, which. I just added but I a little the bit term. explaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm going to give my grade first, uh, and uh, I gave it. I, I would give it an A minus for me. Okay. And and that means a little bit better than Wonder Woman for me, um, which was probably a given when you heard us being pretty effusive about it. Yeah. Um, would you go A or A plus? Well, I don't believe in A plus, so I'll go A. <laughs> But if I if we lived in a magical unicorn world where there were A pluses, then sure I'd give it that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, all right, well let's let's jump right in um, to, Can to I our rankings. Take a quick bathroom break. Oh, okay. top five. <laughs> yeah. you know? All right, yeah. So we even though we did not see a fistful of fingers, which was uh, Edgar Wright's first movie, uh, it was prior to him really you know uh, creating movies that were seen by mass audiences. Um, so, uh, he directed Baby Driver, which is right now, uh, probably on pace to be his highest grossing movie, probably by a ways, I would think. Um, but he was previously famous for, uh, directing, writing and directing what is called the Cornetto Trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. And then Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, which if you've listened to the podcast even a couple times you probably know of my and Jake's love for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I had not seen any of his other movies. Um, so I, I watched all four of them. Jake had seen, uh, a couple of them many years ago, but with his memory said it was like seeing them for the first yeah. time. Um, so we want to talk about these. Um, first of all, um, the, the the three movies that I mentioned that are called the Cornetto Trilogy, nothing really unites them per se. They're not the same characters. Um, they are, I think, all written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. I didn't know Simon helps write them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote... I'll double check this in a minute while Jake's talking. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure he helped write all three. They do feature a lot of the same cast members. Yeah. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman... Um, oh, I can't remember the dude's name from In America. Oh, I hate myself. Um, anyway, there are a lot of recurring characters, more than I just said. Recurring actors, not characters, pardon me. Um, that uh, play different kind of roles in them. And, and I like the way they kind of rotate the style of role that yeah. they all play. I thought that was really fun. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, I, I especially thought Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who are, who are the two main characters pretty much every time, did a really good job of handling the different tone of the roles yeah, that so they were versatile. given. Um, where you wouldn't have necessarily thought either of them would be versatile after watching just one of the movies. Sure. You would think like, oh yeah, probably every time he'll be this and he'll be that. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case. Not at all. And, and I thought that that was really cool. Uh, what would you say is there anything else you would say that unites them besides because um, the Cornetto thing just comes from a reference to this kind of ice cream that they eat in each of them it's the same which kind. I didn't even I had to look that up today because I didn't even notice oh yeah they're, they're I only because I knew I saw it like in one it just flaps up and one they're eating it and the other one I think you see it or something I can't remember now but right yeah, I looked it up before I watched The Real End, and then when the, the Cornetto wrapper flaps up, I'm oh, like, yeah. is that the only thing we're doing? Yeah, yeah, I from think it that's the one? only thing. Yeah. yeah, and then I, I learned that it the whole thing comes from a joke that he made, saying that um, he made uh, these movies to be the Three Flavors trilogy, uh, comparing them to the Three Colors trilogy, <laughs> uh, which are like a famous trilogy of well-made films I actually haven't seen and plan to this uh, summer. Nor, nor have I, and I want to. Um Anyway. Um, by the way, Simon Pegg was the credited co-writer on all three. I just wanted to make oh, sure. Okay. Um, so aside from also being united by 
fence gags of fence pop, gags, popping and crashing yeah. uh-huh, into uh-huh. a set of fences. Yeah. Uh, I knew that only subconsciously. Like, the minute you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. But I didn't, like, register oh, really? while I was watching it. No. <laughs> you, like, the minute you was, oh, yeah, of course. I remember, I can remember them all just like that. Yeah. But I didn't even think about it while watching them. Uh, but, no, I mean, they're... I guess they're all supposed to be a comedic take on a genre film. Yes. Um, basically. But it's not like... That's kind of a vague concept, I guess, maybe, yeah, to yeah. unite them. But I guess yeah. that's it. And then the actors, obviously. But, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because... And they're all, like, um, really in command of their tone. Yes. In a way that you don't see often. It's a real tribute to Edgar Wright. And I think Scott, Scott Pilgrim is the same. Baby Driver too, but it's a different kind of movie. And Scott Pilgrim is too, excuse me, but all four of them have to understand completely this is the kind of movie we are and and it like permeates everything that they do. Some of the other things as far as commonalities, especially of the Cornetto trilogy, and you may, this may be something that's a difference between Jake and, and me. Um, I didn't laugh hard and out loud a lot, but was like amused and chuckling the entire time. Okay. And I don't mean that as a criticism. No, I would agree. But there wasn't, and I'll say later which one gave me the most laughs. Um, but like, they it, it, they didn't feel like they were existing just to get from gag to gag, or even necessarily be like I made you laugh a ton. It was there. There was a lot of amusement for me. I thought they all had really good endings. Yeah. I just thought they stuck the endings when when they lead up to a, what could have been not good endings. If that you know, I'm not very eloquent right now, but. They they kind of paint themselves into a certain corner, and you're like, oh, this is going to end in this way or that way. And I kind of thought they subvert a little bit in 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 the way that they they ended. There's a certain element of like WTFness to all of them. Yeah. Where you're just like, at, at some point, you're like, what the heck is happening? Right. But in a way that's like fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, something kind of random that I noticed in all three movies is they're not afraid to have a high death toll. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, even with, like, semi-main characters. Yeah. I, uh, and two of them in particular, I, like, partway through was like, oh, they're, like, really gonna keep killing off all these people and not have some sort of MacGuffin that makes them all come back yeah. again. You yeah, know? Like, very interesting. So they're very dark comedies in that and, way, and, I think. I mean, and again, that's a tribute to Edgar Wright of just, like, no, I'm not looking here to make a genre movie. I mean, sorry. To make a, um franchise movie right i'm not trying to build although they have approached him about a baby driver sequel and he's considering it yeah. like he said i'm considering it because like now the idea is kind of interesting to me um but with the other ones like it's like no i'm making a movie it's a standalone movie it's gonna end so therefore i can do whatever the heck i yeah, want exactly who cares and i like that um and then interestingly they all have like kind of these quick cut montages of drinking that i just thought yeah. were kind of, did you notice the like parallel of like uh here's the keg here's the 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 bottle getting i mean the glass getting filled here's the beer yeah i didn't notice with drinking specifically but that just edgar wright in general his editing his editing and he'll do extreme close-ups of like scott pilgrim does it with like he ties his shoes you know and Uh extreme close-ups of people yeah like a a quick sequence of events happening right well so like in um in uh, shawn of the dead they visit uh pubs Mm mm-hmm 
for various reasons and it shows them getting and in the world's in it's all about them going to drink yeah. so there's a bunch of quick cut yeah, boom and then we drink and then Hot Fuzz they did it as well I think in just one or two scenes because right. they visit a pub again yeah. a similar pub that they that they you know for whatever reason um, yeah yeah I think that's that covers most of the commonalities and things one thing, if you've ever wondered about seeing these, like I want to say right now before we rank them, and I don't think, I mean, I think we've covered a lot, so we don't necessarily have to go into a ton of detail as we as we rank them, but you should see them if you're thinking about seeing them. Like, yeah. Edgar Wright is a skillful filmmaker. He is. And he is doing, with the exception of Scott Pilgrim, original stuff that's interesting and smart and uh, very well made. Yeah. And it was cool. I was really glad. I was sad I hadn't seen all these before. And I, I, I'm really like glad that we came up with doing this because it made me very appreciative of what Edgar Wright is doing as a filmmaker. Somebody who is, you know, kind of forging a path that we don't see as much. And I know his path might have di- diverged a little bit with Ant-Man. And I agree with him that it, it maybe put him back in the place where he needed I'm to honestly, be. I'm honestly, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't came in on yeah. whatever they wanted yeah. to do for him, man. Because he's pro- he's I having watched and rewatched these movies. I I would say he's absolutely one of my favorite directors. Yeah. I have so much respect for someone who is able to invent such an original and creative voice. Like his movies, I can look at them now and be like. That's an Edgar Wright movie, you know. If you somehow showed me one I hadn't seen, I'd be able to identify it. Like That's Baby cool. Driver, I would have known in five minutes that it was an Edgar Wright. That's movie. awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. And uh, I hope he reteams with Simon Pegg in the future, just because yeah. they they write some really cool, like like Jake said, uh, kind of genre nah, and parodies is strong, right? But yeah, I'll talk send about ups, that. Is that kind of even I'll, that strong? Exactly. I, uh, well, it's interesting too because they like have this really um, strange ability to be the genre and be knowledgeable of the genre, to be making fun of it, but also completely playing into it. Yeah. And I thought that that's hard to do. Right. It, with the tone still keeping uh, consistent. Yeah. Can I actually start with my number five right yeah, now? Yeah, let's do this it. this is a lot of what I wanted to say. And also, all five of these are good. I love all Whatever five. we have at five... Like, it shouldn't be seen as any sort of knock, and I hope neither of us will feel like... I mean, we can be like, whoa, I'm surprised. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you... But, like, it's more so because we liked one better than another. We haven't talked about our rankings because we always like to kind of um, keep the spontaneity there. But, like, I honestly... I might be surprised, but I won't be... Whatever you say, I'll be like, okay. Because they're all very high quality. Yeah. Uh, You're number five. My number five... So, yeah, like Chad said, like, these movies all have a very minimal, um, like, varying degree of how yeah. much I love them. Uh-huh. Uh, it was really hard to rank them. Very hard. So why I wanted to jump in at my number five, um, and I'll just say what it is, it's Shaun of the Dead. Uh, so, because this movie's from, like, 2003 or something like that, yeah. I think. Um, and so I had seen it around for years in stores. 2004, just to... 2004, okay. Seen, I'd seen, like, the DVD around and stuff, and the pun of the name... Dawn of the Dead, uh, being for Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. I always assumed that it was just like, uh, spe- very specifically a parody of Dawn of the Dead. Right. And, uh, so that was my, cons- 
the idea I had of that movie before I ever watched it. When I did first watch it a few years ago, uh, I remember not liking it very much that first time because I was expecting like like scary movie type parody. Sure. Uh, I didn't. Which I just not right. Yeah, I don't think I knew it was Edgar Wright. I already loved Scott Pilgrim at that point, but if I knew, I don't know. I either didn't know it was Edgar Wright or didn't know what that should mean that I should expect, you know? Right, right. So I was expecting, yeah, kind of like dirty parody, basically. And so I was waiting for jokes to become flying by, you know, right. hit or miss for, you know, three jokes a minute. And it it doesn't necessarily feel like that. No. Um, so I was expecting pure parody, and it turned out to be more a zombie movie done comedically. Like, yeah. If that makes sense at all. And that's what we were trying to explain. Cause yeah, he, it's hard to explain. Yeah. Like watching them, and, and my number five is going to be the one where I really delve into that, but watching them, there's this... I don't even know how to explain it. There's this sense of like they shouldn't work in the way that they are. Yeah. Because they're not full-on parodies, but they're also not full-on that genre. But there's a tone underneath of like poking fun, but also of homage um, and... Yeah, I don't even fully know how to explain it, except it, it worked for me every time. It did for me, too. Uh, so I really love uh, Shaun of the Dead. It actually uh, had kind of like some early indications of Baby Driver type uh, sound editing, which I was fun to see now, knowing that he went on to make Baby Driver, like, um, particularly when, uh, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen plays, they're, uh-huh. like, beating I up was, a that's zombie. That's the scene I thought of when you said Yeah, that. they beat up a zombie in, in time with the music. Yeah. Which I loved. Um. Also a really high death count. Yeah. Which, it surprised me, and it was the first one I watched, and it just surprised me. Right, me too. You know, we I know we already mentioned it, but I wanted to mention it again. Yeah. Of just like, oh, you're not going to play by rules. Okay, cool. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. And I, I loved the pacing of this movie that basically... I mean, it's like a zombie movie. Like, the main plot ends up becoming we need to get from point A to point sure. B across the city. And we don't want know? to be zombies. Yeah. And I don't know. I love simple plots, and this one worked a lot for me. The, the jokes were hilarious. I loved... Martin Freeman's cameo in this one mostly because he just stood there for like five. Well, seconds. they're like uh, the Bizarro version of yeah. That was very funny, yeah. right? But I just thought it was weird because it was Martin yeah. I Freeman. forgot later. It took me a minute in watching the third that I watched, which was Hot Fuzz, not in the same order, um, to remember that he was in Shaun of the Dead. Uh huh. Well, and I looked it up because it was so weird, and I guess he'd only started acting a couple of years earlier. Like I think he'd been in he'd been a regular on the British Office at that point. Oh yeah. So I think it was like kind of a thing where it's like, oh, it's Martin Freeman, but right. obviously not to the point that it would be today. Uh-huh. So it was just kind of a funny aside. Um, yeah, he's the most, uh, Martin Freeman himself is the uh, in the world's in the most. He's actually very rarely in Hot Fuzz as well. Right, Because yeah. it's like an opening scene and a, and a closing scene yeah, that exactly. he shows up, yeah. But yeah, overall, like, what a debut. Like, if I had been... And he had made Fistful of Fingers before, but oh, what right. a real... But, but a did real... he really, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just don't want anyone to call us on it because we oh, get so many tweets. Sure. But if someone were to tweet, like, hey, you forgot about, like, I know, and I know people have been tweeting about it because, but it was really his official. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm, you're right, but I didn't want anyone to call us on forgetting that. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. But, but if yes. I, but viewing this as a debut, like, yes. if I had been old enough and as into film as I am now, like, when this had come out and I'd gone to this in theaters as a debut, I would have been. Blown completely away. blown away and yeah. like thrilled to see what this guy was going to do yeah. next. 
And I will say more about Shaun of the Dead when I get to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my number five is Hot Fuzz. Um, and, and we described a lot about Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz to me was the quintessential example of this because it's probably the one of all of his movies that I laugh the least in. And I don't mean that as a criticism. Like, it sounds like a criticism. I don't mean it as that. One of the things that was funniest to me about Hot Fuzz was like, it's in a couple of cases, it's kind of, and I'm borrowing this word from, I saw someone use it about Hot Fuzz, so I'm not, I just want to give credit. It's kind of ultra-violent in some spots. But in like really funny ways, but not obvious <laughs> funny. Like, yeah. I don't know how to even say it. Where it's not just like so over the top that you're like, oh my gosh, this is like Reservoir Dogs times 10. But just these moments of like somebody getting their head like um, hit off by a church spire. <laughs> and, and it's like... It's like hilarious. Um, there's a really, really, really funny part where a bunch of people are reciting something over and over. I'm trying to be careful. I know this movie's old, but a bunch of people in hoods are kind of in a ritualistic like circle and they keep saying these words. And I laughed out loud at that part, even though it's the least that I laughed. Um, and, and it only ended up number five because I laughed a little more in the other comedies. And that was the only barometer I could come up with to really, to really <laughs> differentiate. To yeah. differentiate, yeah. That was really the only barometer in the end. Like, I liked all of these. I, I love that it knew exactly what it wanted to be. I thought, I, I thought this really showed Simon Pegg's versatility because he's supposed to be this no nonsense kind of policeman, and you would think he would be a total parody, but I felt like he was believable yeah. as that. I liked the way that there was no real romance angle in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um, Right? I'll, I'll talk about that. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. Um, I liked that. I liked that there wasn't, they didn't feel like they had to shoehorn that in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, Jim Broadbent did a really good job as kind of the like podunk sheriff in right. the town that he gets transferred into. I thought he worked really well. Mm-hmm. Also, Timothy Dalton was in it. Which Who was that? I thought was, he's. Um, is he the grocery guy? I don't know. No, he like uh, is the first. And main um, um, vil, vil, considered villain that they think is going to be um, the bad, bad guy. I'm trying to be careful here, but okay, Skinner. Okay. He like yeah, early yeah, on he I mean. says a lot of things yeah, that he has oh store, right? it is yes okay, yes, yeah. yes 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 he owns the store. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. And it is a grocery store, and he has all the people working for him. I apologize. That's all on me. You said grocer, and I was just off in La La Land. Um, what? <laughs> um, and he kind of says some things early on that make him seem like the chief, the chief yes. um, uh, uh, suspect. Um, but he's like a, a former James Bond and stuff, so it was just kind of oh, fun. Okay. I didn't know he was going to be in it. Right. Um, everyone's very good in it. Um, and there's some really fun stuff with just the way the other policemen treat Simon Pegg, who like knows what he's doing and cares a lot, and they're just like blase and like you're an idiot. Um, but yeah, uh, I I really appreciated it, um, and it just ended up at number five for me because in the end I was like, okay, here's one barometer. I laughed a little less in this one, but that doesn't mean I wasn't completely amused. And it was the one actually probably where I was most impressed, which sounds weird at number five, with it understanding exactly what it needed to feel like all the way through. Because again, it just feels like something that will come off the rails or feel like it has to be something else and more in it. And it just, it didn't, it, it lived with exactly what it wanted to be. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. 
I'll do my number four because we usually sure. kind of do the, do, do the snake. Yeah. So my number four uh, was probably uh, of the three in the Cornetto trilogy because it is one of those. Uh, the one that made me laugh the most, even though I have it at, at number four, and that is The World's End. Nice. Um, there's this bit about band names that amused the <laughs> heck out of me. Yeah. And I, it's not even like a huge bit. They only do it a few times, mm-hmm. but I thought it was so funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, made me laugh a lot. It had a really weird story and actually a, a, sim, a very similar feeling to Shaun of the Dead in some of the early scenes as they figure out kind of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, like with Hot Fuzz, the kind of the bigger story going on is just something on which to hang like what's going on with the characters. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Like um with with Hot Fuzz, like it was about Simon Pegg, it was about uh Nick Frost, it was about the town. It wasn't necessarily about figuring out who the villain was. Yeah. Even though that's a, a surprise too or whatever. And here it was a similar feel to me. Um they figure out this kind of weird conspiracy that's going on and that just seems more to be a thing for them to kind of have some fun with each other, for them to do character work. Um I love the backstory of this one, how they kind of set up these characters yeah. as these young versions and then Simon Pegg as the screw up. Um and then this one Nick Frost is like the very respectable like businessman and he's very straight laced mm-hmm. and stuff, which I, I thought that. was I thought was very fun. And then you get all these characters, most of them recurring from the uh, other movies, just going and doing this pub crawl, um, making it from one to the next to the next to the next. And I've heard that uh, a lot of people didn't like it as much as the earlier two films in the trilogy. Really? Um, yeah, I've heard people say, hey, you know, maybe watch them backwards or whatever. Um, but I, I thought it worked just as well. Absolutely. There's some kind of funny fight scenes mm-hmm. that um, uh, are interesting. And then... Piers Brosnan, another Bond, mm-hmm. another British Bond. Yeah. Well, obviously they're all British, um, but because these movies are very British, um, shows up and and he and a lot of other people who play kind of I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> the the antagonists get to have a lot of fun with um, kind of selling that they're a different version of themselves. Yes. I thought that worked really well as well. Um, just man, tons of fun to watch these movies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's all I want to say about uh, the world's end. Jake will say a few words later when he hits the world's end. Yes, I will. Okay, uh, I'm not ready for this. No, you know, nobody could be ready for this. Oh, you're I'm gonna not break, ready for I'm your gonna break four? some hearts. Yeah. <laughs> My number four is actually Scott Pilgrim versus Whoa! the World. I know. This and is look. a clap. This is a clap because. D- there were a few things that I felt like I knew for sure about Jake's list. And this proves that I have no idea what Jake's list is going to be. <laughs> this is going to break some hearts out there. It those is. Those of you listening with the last name Hampton. And or who have known Jake for a long time. Anyone who knows me. Oh. Yeah. I am actually genuinely shocked. I didn't think you, I could, know. Sh- I didn't think you could shock me with what you well, were going to say. Okay, but let me reiterate. These movies are all pretty much Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. They're great. Uh, but I still didn't think there'd be anything that shocked me. I like whatever sure. order you have them in. Yeah. I said that at the beginning. You can replay the tape. Um, <laughs> but this surprised me. I, I don't have any worry about it or anything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Because they're all good. Right. But I am surprised. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Like, I feel like I've, I've, talk, I've given multiple rants about this movie on this um, podcast Sure, before. sure. I, I guess what I should clarify is the probably the only reason I kept it at number four after watching and rewatching these other movies was that... I was in denial for years 
about how I felt about the third act of Scott Pilgrim. And I've, like, finally accepted it that it... That you don't love it. It drags for me pretty bad compared to the rest of the movie. Like, it's uh, hitting... Like, once you get to the Katinagi twins, that's, like, a pretty big wall in the movie for me. And I'm not very interested in anything that happens after that. Interesting. Until the very last scene. Okay. Um, But all the kind of, like, final fight stuff, I do get bored during. Interesting. Even though the first two-thirds Very of that movie... Very honest. Hashtag honesty. Yeah, I'm trying to be honest. Yeah. Even, even though the first two-thirds of that movie are... That's some of my favorite recorded film ever. Like, yeah. And I laugh... And I laugh harder at the first two-thirds of that movie probably more than any other movie on this list. Nice. But... That's I'm, what I love about the fact that we get to come together. And again, this is another shout-out to those of you who listen and we get to talk about these things. Just because it does make you realize things and kind of go like, okay. Yeah. This is why I've been saying it, but this is actually the truth after right. processing. After processing. And I, cause I, and part of that is because I've seen Scott Pilgrim probably literally more than 20 times, which is a lot of times to sit yeah. and watch a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and having sat through that third act so many times, that I think that's what's helped me finally be like, I don't like that part of the movie. Interesting. But obviously, I, I still love, love, oh, yeah. love Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Uh, no love lost. Between you and I. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, completely. And for sure, like, was a huge impact on my film tastes. Um, oh, yeah. It, when it came out when I was in high school and changed the way that I saw that movies can be done. Um, and by extension, Edgar Wright has changed the way that I've seen movies. You know? Nice. Beautiful. Uh, and definitely established, um, eventually, <laughs> it took me a, two tries with Shaun of the Dead, but Scott Pilgrim was what helped me recognize those kind of editing techniques and and things like that nice. uh, that i identify now as edgar wright and love beautiful thank you love it how about you go on to number three then? oh yeah i go on uh so my number three was the world's end nice uh which i also laughed the most out of the cornetto of trilogy. the cornetto trilogy um, it, it got was, the most big laughs from me yeah yeah it was a very funny movie yeah uh i loved the whole premise i actually uh Jordan told me was what it was about, even though he hasn't seen it. He told me what it was about <laughs> right before I watched it, but I hadn't read a synopsis, and I wish that I hadn't heard that, because I would have been... I com- didn't know, except for the pub crawl, that's all I knew. Oh, okay. So were you completely shocked when... Well, no, well, no. I had heard references to, like, I guess that's a lie. I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it like that. <laughs> okay. I, there, was, there were tons of aspects to it I didn't know. I had heard The World's End is a play on the pub and is a play on some kind of ap- apocalyptic events. Okay. So I, I, that, I didn't mean to lie. I just, there's a lot more to it than apocalyptic events. And I didn't know any of the details of what that meant other okay. than kind of the punny title. Right. Because uh, the, the Shaun of the Dead and the World's End are both puns, obviously. Hafaz. I actually looked that up because I didn't know. And they were trying. I know what fuzz means, but. But he was trying to do a play on um, how he feels like cop movies from the 80s are just like an adjective and a noun just like oh, words. so nice so i didn't know that that's hilarious oh yeah, yeah like red heat or uh, oh okay oh thank you for looking yeah. it up <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh so the world's end but yeah i wish i hadn't known that because that would have completely caught me off guard yeah there's like a fight in a bathroom yeah and it caught me so off guard. Like, what is happening right now? Yeah. I thought that fight was great. Like, just really fantastically staged and, and fun and with everyone kind of understanding what's going on. Well, and then, then brainstorming. Like, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Well, and I love that when his friends come in to the bathroom, they're mad at him about something else. And it takes them, like, a full, like, 15 seconds of movie time to realize... What's happening. What has... What, the scene that is in front of them. Uh, 
It's but, a funny movie. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed. I felt like I got this movie. Like it vibed with me. Just the whole take on, uh, and I don't know to what extent Edgar Wright was going for this, but I interpreted it as this kind of literal, uh, literalization of having nostalgia and revisiting places or, th- uh, things from from your past and expecting them to be the same and instead they are alien to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I I loved that about this movie and I thought it did some really clever things with it. Yeah, that nostalgia aspect really worked for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just, yeah, and that was like the underlying whole whole thing, right? I yeah. mean, that's what you're saying and I'm just reiterating. No, but I'm glad that uh, that you thought so too. And it was just a zany movie. It's like, zany. Good word for this. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, like... But it works. That's what Edgar Wright is a master it at. It does. It's handling all this zaniness, but it fe- and it feels zany. Uh, I'm just going to keep using the word as many times as I can. <laughs> it feels zany while you're watching it, but not in a way that's out of place or wrong. No, not How at all. How does he juggle the zany elements in a way where you're just like, yeah, I'm into this. Like, that's what he's gifted at. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I am watching... Rosamund Pike and Simon Pegg. Yeah, Rosamund Pike showed up. Battle a woman that is using legs for arms, and I am loving every <laughs> second of it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up, because that seems hilarious, too. Like, D.W. <laughs> Griffiths, early 1900s. I'm sure that's what they hoped this medium would be used for one day. <laughs> uh, oh, awesome. It was, it was a blast. Um, I loved how they... They brought the fence gag back one last time. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I just... I thought it worked so well for the style of the movie that the... Kind of like... Uh, I mean, spoilers, whatever. But like, easily destructible nature of the enemies. Yeah. Like, they just plow through, like, crowds of them. And I thought that made for some really cool sequences because I I liked how the stakes in the movie were more, like... I was kind of on my toes wondering if any of the main characters had been affected right, rather right, right, than right. being like they're in danger like i liked how kind of the the motive of the enemies um wasn't wasn't 100 percent hostile right like, yeah 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 in the ways that you would expect and especially so it, in the climax <laughs> uh, yeah again oh I'm, my gosh I love it. <laughs> it's hilarious the way right? everything that's what i'm saying the, the wtf-ness of a lot of the endings and yet they like stick them yeah exactly there's a really funny gag with Martin Freeman at the very end, too. At the very, very, very end. Oh, yeah. With um, the, like, volleyball or whatever he's using. Yeah. <laughs> as well as the kind of humorous uh, Simon Pegg ending, too. Uh-huh. Where he they, like, jump forward in time and he's going into another pub. And yeah. it was just fun. Yeah. So fun. Oh, and uh, also, maybe a moment to mention. Because there's a scene in this movie where the characters... And it's it's a movie about... Bar hopping. I mean, like... Pub crawl. Pub crawl, right? Is what they call it. Is what they call it, yeah. Um, and I just didn't expect it to dip into this serious place for a minute about a char- one character's alcoholism, yeah. basically. And I think all three of these Cornetto movies do that, did that at least once, where it got serious in a moment I didn't expect it to. But felt okay and didn't feel tonally off balance. No, they actually yeah. were emotional moments to me. Yeah. And I think that, and that's one reason why it's hard to classify these movies because they're not straight parodies or yeah. or and they're not 100% goofy comedies the entire no. time either like I said like I, I, I know Hot Fuzz is coming for you obviously but Hot Fuzz for me um, the the not laughing thing just wasn't important yeah I cared I was into it I was amused I was also engaged you know anyway 
All right, my number three. I'm on three, right? Yeah, my number three is Shaun of the Dead. Um, and part of it was because I knew it was the first one. I can't pretend that didn't bias me. Mm-hmm. It did. And I'm, and I'm not ashamed of it. Like seeing all three of them and thinking, man, you're all on equal footing. You're all very similar to me. Um, I don't necessarily have a huge reason why this one's better than this one or this one's not as good as this one or whatever. And so knowing it was the first one, um, that played in. That played into me putting it at, at number three. Um, I just want to mention you, you covered it pretty well already. The beginning of the movie when the zombie kind of in, infestation is happening and they're not realizing it's happening was, I thought, so well done. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's a scene where like Simon Pegg is like slipping on like blood and stuff yeah. and he doesn't even know it's happening. And because he's clueless and because he cares about other things and because he's kind of selfish, that's why he's not noticing. Right. It was so well constructed. Was that, that was, one it was of like times... silent comedy. It was almost like it could have been silent the way that it was playing. Right. And I thought it worked so well. Yeah. Do you remember if that was all a tracking shot? Like one long. I don't know if the whole. Well, there were. It was long. I don't know if the whole thing was. I just can't remember. Right. But regardless, regardless, because I can't remember. Regardless, there's a lot of long tracking shots, even if it's cut up a little bit. Right. Where and and you have to choreograph kind of what's going on, and and they do it by having it happen earlier and then having it happen again, and it's basically the same shot. Yeah. And he's tripping over the curb again, and he's going into the shop again, and it is just. Jake already mentioned it for your debut to have even even if you just took those two scenes like this dude knows what he's doing yes. as a director. There's a, another a gag that I thought was genius um, where they're telling what's going to happen like their plan and then they're showing you yes, and, and then you keep that. seeing it uh, uh, in the different versions. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. The death count we already mentioned the the queen thing. And then kind of a final a final gag where he goes, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't say who makes it to the end. Well, a certain character goes into like this shack at the end. And I thought even that was inspired and, mm-hmm. and, and silly, um, but silly in all the right ways. You, you covered most of Shonda. We've covered a lot. At this point, we're probably going to cruise through two and one because yeah. we've said a lot already and you've been with us for an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, knowing it was the first one eventually gave it that extra burst. And it had it, it was the second most of the Cornetto Trilogy that I laughed, and the inspiration of some of these zombie gags I just thought were fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's some fun. Uh, I shouldn't say fun. That's wrong. There's some stuff that really worked for me as far as like certain characters or whatever that turn into zombies and ha- them having to be killed. Yeah. That I thought actually worked and had some resonance as yeah. well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. He, 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 I, I have to just echo what Jake said a long time ago. Yeah, I think he's up there in my top five of directors just by doing this kind of run through of his career. Yeah, and I want to, and I was nervous about rewatching Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead this time because, um, even because I couldn't remember it very well from the first time, but I was wondering if I needed to have extensive knowledge of zombie movies yeah, to which I enjoy don't. a lot of it, and even as a, a bit of a horror buff. I, zombie is one yeah. faction of that that I've seen less of. That's not my fave. Yeah, and so, but you don't need that. At no, all and a, having a passing knowledge, of course, helps some of the jokes be funnier. But mm-hmm. no, yeah, because it works on its own exactly as a funny thing. Yeah. Okay, my number two um, is <laughs> Baby Driver. What? <laughs> my my fa- my second favorite of all of Edgar Wright's is his newest. We covered it extensively earlier, and so I don't feel like I have to say a lot here. 
What I even wrote down on my notes is we have already discussed this at this point. <laughs> um, but I simply want to say that um, it seems like uh, the other four movies that he had made leading up to this, and then from what I've read that he'd had Baby Driver in his mind, seems like, even though I don't have it as no- at number one, as the culmination of a lot of what he perfected in the earlier movies. Um, it's not British. It doesn't have Simon Pegg, so I know that in some ways I'm being disingenuous, but the way he uses music, the understanding of tone, the inspiration of individual gags, the understanding that we want to care about the characters, even though I know one of my stated small things was that there wasn't as much emotional you know, investment for me. But the understanding that like we have to care about these care about these characters even as action sequences or as the case may be comedic sequences are happening. Yeah. There needs to be some investment, and then of course the great camera work, um, as oh, well nice. as the editing that Jake mentioned because he does a much better job of noticing that stuff. Um, that is similar. It seemed like this was the culmination because he needed to draw on all of those things to really make this movie work. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Funny. Yeah, okay. you're number two, and then I'll let you hit number one, and then I'll do my number okay. one. Okay, well, yeah, I'll just pay you back, and my number two is Baby Driver oh. as well. <laughs> oh, more curveballs! <laughs> I love it! Yeah, uh, I mean, it could become number one, right? Uh, love yeah, the curveballs. N- nothing new to say about it, like Chad said, we covered it extensively, yeah, yeah. so I guess I can... But I am, on. I'm actually really interested to hear how this ended up at number one, because this is interesting... I didn't necessarily think... I knew we'd have differences of opinion. Um, and because we both have stated we loved all five so much, I don't have any like worry about anything. But my five was your one. Yeah. yeah that, that's very was. interesting. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to hear why it ended up even being better than Baby Driver for you. Yeah, okay. After your high praise of Baby Driver at the beginning. You yeah. Know? So I'm, I'm excited. So, even if it's short, I'm just excited to hear No, it. yeah. And, and, and again, that's a very small step between these movies if if there's a step at all yeah but, yeah, yeah of course but the, the ultimate reason i went with hot fuzz uh was because out of all of these movies it was the most uh kind of well literally explosive i guess but just like pull out all the stops uh in like in every area of the movie and i had a blast like it, it's i think it's the longest one um but it didn't feel long to me uh the plot, I don't know, the twist in the plot, like, we both talk about how we kind of just go along for the ride with movies, and I, I don't try and make predictions, and so, even this second time, because the first time was erased from my memory, basically, <laughs> I was, like, every little twist, I was, like, gasping, and, like, oh, I never saw that coming, even though I probably could have. Uh, oh, I didn't see him coming at okay. all. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I, like, like, we talked about how we go along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love how, because there are little jokes throughout this movie that seem... Like, just an, a side joke, it's like, oh, that's kind of a weird comment, but I'll take it as a joke. Like, like the house, where they're like, oh, this is, isn't is keeping in with the rustic um, aesthetic of the rest of the neighborhood or whatever. And it sounds like it can kind of just be, like, a side joke, but it turns out to be a plot point later. There are things like that littered throughout the movie, um, and that's what I what ultimately put it at number one for me, is that everything is connected and has a purpose in the end. Not that the other movies have things that don't have purpose but it this movie just has continuous moments where you're like where it has callbacks to previous things either for a funnier punchline or to make something come full circle in the plot and i love nice. that and I, I was gonna mention because you said there's no love interest um and i appreciate in this movie how it, it's almost a rom-com between uh Simon Simon Peg and, and nick, nick frost, frost. Yeah. uh 
<laughs> particularly the moment where they stop outside Nick Frost's place uh, to part ways for the night, and he's like, do you want to come in like for yeah. some coffee? Some like, coffee. I can make you some tea or something. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels very much like a, for, like a date, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I love that. And then you get a, a later on in, a, in another gag that ends up being kind of important. I mean, important, strong, but goes to get him something for his birthday. Right, you know? yes. And then, anyway. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's like cute almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't even say almost. I would yeah, say it's cute. It's just cute. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and then you mentioned how violent it is. Yeah. And which I don't really like violence, but I thought it really worked, which is weird. But no, I, that was my last note I made about this movie was I don't know why I'm fine with the violence because I'm kind of picky about violence and a lot of times it can feel dark and icky to me right. more than it does for other people, but. For some reason, I was on board with this, and I, a lot of that is the tone, I think, and the way that it's played for laughs somehow is, isn't so dark that I start to get uncomfortable. You know? No, no. But yeah, it was weirdly like, again, I stole the word ultraviolet from somebody wrote about Hot Fuzz and was like, blah 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 with some ultraviolence, which isn't a word they made up either. But I wouldn't maybe not have used it for. But I was like, oh yeah, yeah. you're totally right. But it's not. I don't know. It's not over the top in some sort of like, we're calling so much attention to this. Like, but it's jarring. Yeah. Because, it is. because it doesn't happen a ton. I mean, it's, it's, it's spread out, I guess. Yeah. Does that sound uh-huh. right? And so when it happens, oh my gosh. And so it's almost like you laugh just because you don't know what else to exactly. do. Because, like, yeah, it's so unexpected. Yeah. Uh, and so, I lo- and I love Simon Pegg, especially yeah, right Simon after. Simon Pegg's great. Right after Shot of the Dead, it was so fun. Yeah, I was like, oh. I already liked Simon Pegg, you know? Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, this movie, just out of all these movies, was the most everything to me. I love it. I liked it. Yeah, I love that you had it number one and that that was unexpected to me. And I mean, this is going to be, I guess, kind of anticlimactic. (laughs) And for me, like, this is probably the only place where a slightly bigger step happens. And it's just because of how many times I've seen Scott Pilgrim and how much love I have for it. Um, and because I read the graphic novels and I consider Scott Pilgrim, and I think I can say this and feel confident in it. And there are some others that give it, you know, a run, but to be the greatest adaptation that I've ever seen. And when I use the word adaptation, I mean, bringing the book to the screen. Perhaps there are some other adaptations that like, for instance, with Children of Men, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've never read the book. So I, do I think Children of Men is better than Scott Pilgrim? Yes. But I don't know how well adapted it was. Scott Pilgrim is like the, I've seen that was the most faithful while still being cinematic, was willing to depart when it needed to depart, okay, Uh, added gags but kept all the greatest gags, figured out how to make the tone of something that had a really quirky tone be on the screen in the same way. I've never seen somebody so masterfully do that and to me it's the final testament to Edgar Wright's skill because we've seen... Uh, these amazing four other original movies that are just, you know, brilliant. Mm-hmm. But but it also showed, like, not only can he come up, but when he's working from something else, he's also going to kill it. He's also going to make it perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's to me, was really cool. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, of course, it perfectly understands the tone of Scott Pilgrim, the book, and then at what it needed to be as a movie. And that's no surprise because we've seen it in all the other ones. It's so visually inventive. It is. In a way that pays tribute to the comic books or the graphic novels, pardon me, 
It pays tribute to the graphic novels by Brian Lee O'Malley and yet is its own thing yeah. at the same time. Like, that's so freaking hard to do. And uh, and I appreciated Jake's honesty earlier. I don't have the draggy problems at the end, especially because uh, number six – and I read the graphic novels after the movie. Let me make be that Let me make that very clear. But number six, the graphic novel, there are six, this, and they're all adapted into the one movie, uh, has a different ending. Okay. And it's it's literary and it, it works on the page, but I don't think it would have worked in the movie. And so I've the first time I saw it, it didn't drag for me. But since reading it and then watching Scott Pilgrim multiple times again, I've appreciated the way that he was like, I need to depart here. Okay. Even though I've been so faithful because I need to make this work better. And I, that sounds wrong. Work better as a film. Because I think it works in the but it has all this stuff to do with like subspaces and heads and clones and stuff. And so it's really it works great with Brian Lee O'Malley's text, but I feel like it would have come off the rails in the movie and not worked. And so I appreciate the liveness of the ending. Um, and, and but I did, to be clear, I never had a problem with with the end. It didn't drag for sure. me. Um, and I love the way that it involves kind of a, a taking a second life, like you see in video games, yeah. which is uh, I thought was kind of kind of ingenious. And I think it's fun to see. I, I'm a Jason Schwartzman guy. Sure, just in everything. And so he finally kind of gets to really yeah, do unleash. his thing. Unleash. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Unleash at the end. Um, and I thought that that's very fun. And of course the a- ambiguous non-ambiguity of the end, just kind of them walking off. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering the correct no, final I do love scene. The last right? No, no. Scene, you, yeah. And you said that. You said mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But that's the final scene, right? Where they're yes, kind of walking in, mm-hmm. the, in the night. Um, and yeah, Scott Pilgrim... Um, was a movie that caught me by surprise when I first saw it too. Like I, I wanted to see it because I thought it looked fun, and I'm a big Michael Sarah guy as well. Um, I've since become a big fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. At the time, I didn't, oh, yeah. I, I didn't really know her at the time. Fargo season three. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> and Ten Cloverfield Lane, of course. Um, uh, but they're all just everyone's so great in it. Yeah, um, yeah. The cast is amazing now, like especially looking back. Because some people got more famous uh-huh. since then. Like, yeah. what a party. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's actually kind of an outlier to me of Edgar Wright's movies because you have the four original ones. Um, and, of course, music is good in Scott Pilgrim, and it's important, but not in the same way that it, it – I, I, at least I don't think that it – I mean, no, that's not true. I shouldn't have said that. Because they're in the band and stuff, it ends up being just as integral a part, so just scratch that. Um, but it is somewhat of an outlier as far as um, – it being based on previous material and the tone is 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 gag centric sometimes yeah like this is a gag yeah and we're all laughing at it and so in some ways that may be another reason why it ends up lower for you i know you didn't say that but for some reason like those gags just all hit for me so i don't care that they kind of like are hit 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 as opposed to seamless story throughout right um, anyway, I've said too much because I've already said a lot about Scott Pilgrim, but I, after seeing them all, I love them all, but nothing could dethrone for me the love that I already had for, for, for Scott. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I do think it's criminally underappreciated critically, I think. Like, it's like a 69 on Metacritic, which is, that's considered positive, yeah. but like, yeah. but I just don't understand. But Baby Driver's 86, for instance, yeah. which I know, Baby Driver's great, I'm not, you know, nothing but love, but for them to have a 20 point, almost a 20 yeah, point difference crazy. on Metacritic... When we're talking about how they're basically all right there. Yeah. You know? Like, for both of those movies, but Scott Pilgrim, since it's been treated this way, I guess, by critics, I don't, I cannot fathom watching that movie and be like, being like, oh, yeah, like, solid effort. I mean, not great, but good job. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I can't understand that <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Yeah. You see what Edgar Wright's giving us? It's, it's masterpieces. It is. Nice. Well, thank you. And uh, it, again, just to reiterate, 
if you have listened to this, especially if you're not someone we know, please tweet at us, either at RogoTours or at CDurham99 or at JacobHampton26. A couple quick shout-outs, um, because we may not be on the podcast for a while. Jake has a TV podcast called Bingeable, which you can get on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, you can subscribe to that where they run through some of the current TV, a lot of Netflix stuff, FX like Fargo we talked about earlier, Orange is the New Black, Glow, um, what is that? Handmaid's yeah, Tale Handmaid's on Hulu. Tale. Yeah, so you can check out Bingeable. Um, I, I, am, I do do writing a, once or twice a month for Taste of Cinema. You can see my uh, most recent list, which was tons of fun for me to do, ranking the movies of Alfonso Cuaron from worst to best. That's my current list on Taste of Cinema. Some movies coming out in the next couple weeks, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan's latest movie, uh, and then uh, Atomic Blonde, yeah. directed by David Leach, who's doing Deadpool 2 and was one of the directors on John Wick. So, yeah, anything else? No. The big sick is slowly Yeah, slowly. Into I think the 14th is when it comes wide. wide. I don't know okay. if it comes here. I'm glad you brought up the big sick with, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Kumil Nanjani Some, yeah, close. and uh, Zoe Kazan. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Zoe Kazan-ite. Uh, I've seen a, a, quite a few of hers recently, and I think she's a real fun, like, indie it girl, kind of. Yeah, that's a big one. That my sister, uh, since this might be our last one for a while, shout out to my sister, Kristen Durham, <laughs> who saw The Big Sick and said it was very good because she lives in L.A., so she gets to see stuff early because it's awesome. Um, thank you so much. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know. Um, if you do uh, follow us, check out some of the YouTube videos and Facebook Live videos we're going to get in the coming month or so. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye.